Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. Whatever, but he said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I am your boy, Buzz. I am joined by my dude, NWI Steve, and we are here to recap the White Sox 4-1 to victory over the shitty-ass Detroit Tigers. Before we do that, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter, at ontapsportsnet, at Socks on Tap. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us, five-star rating and review, because that's cool and tough. And check out Grandstand. Follow them on socials at Grandstand Socks. Go to GrandstandSocks.com. Or if you're at the ballpark, stop by Grandstand. Any White Sox gear or Chicago sports gear that you need, go check them out. They'll hook you up over there. So, again, that's GrandstandSocks.com. Anything you need White Sox-related, check them out. Now grab your victory beer and crack them, Steve. I just, I, I just titled this episode Solo Bombs because that's all it was tonight. Solo Bombs. Hey, yo, Buzz. Listen, as the saying goes... Ball go far, team go far. And it's it's fun. You know, every time I listen to the intro here, there's one part in particular that always really sticks out to me. And it begs the question, do you think Tony is mad online tonight? Because I don't know how he could be because there was just nothing to be upset about here this evening. No, there was nothing to be upset about. Uh, Lance Lynn, besides that second inning where, I mean, he had like 30 pitches, he looked good. I mean, crisp. I mean, fastball working, breaking ball working, everything working for Lance Lynn. Loved seeing that. I liked the fact that, you know, the White Sox pounced first with him, Yohan Mankata bomb. Um, is is Yohan Mankata good at baseball again? Because I remember, I'm old <laughs> enough to remember, you know, six weeks ago when people were saying that Yohan Mankata wasn't good at baseball. Where are we at with that? Uh, well, now, now to fit that narrative, he is not able to be the MVP or an all-star because he doesn't hit enough home runs, Steve. So that's where we're at now. I know that you're not oh. on Twitter, but that's where that's where it's at. So he's uh, oh. yeah, Devers is better than him and everything. So you know because he hits home runs. <laughs> God, I, you know the, the, this website that you guys talk about sounds really fucking stupid. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> It's not great most of the time. We meet some really awesome people, but uh, for the most part, it's kind of a headache sometimes. But yes, that that website is something else. But no, Yoamakana starts this one off tonight, Steve. He had a bomb to left. Um, I don't I don't know how far it went. I wish I had that in front of me. I don't know if you have that in front of you or not. But again, that was in the first inning. There, he uh, there's two outs. Makata comes up, hits a solo shot that gets the socks on the board right away. One nothing, Steve. I mean. You know, Makata has just been on a tear as of late. I think he's on another, like, what is it, six, seven game hitting streak, I think he's on or something like that right now. Over his, like, last six games, seven games, he's batting, I mean, just stupid. I mean, I think it's like 400-something, five, you know, 500 on base percentage. 
in the 700s for his slugging. I don't, like I said, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but he is on an absolute tear. He really is, and that home run that he hit in the first inning was really, I think, emblematic of what we have seen from him during this hot stretch over the last six weeks, getting a pitch out on the outer third of the plate, going with it and driving the ball with authority. And like you said, look, he hasn't been hitting the home runs, but he's starting to mix in some more doubles in there. And this is a guy that I think since like April 18th, he has the highest on base percentage in all of major league baseball. I'm not, I I didn't major in math at Purdue university here, but something tells me that that's good when you're first in something. I didn't go to college, but I do also believe that is good. <laughs> well, you say well, you saved a lot of money then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's just been hitting the ball. And uh, do you follow? Oh, you don't. God damn it! God damn it! The the barrel account. You know what I'm talking about? Before you left, you know what I'm talking I about. I do. Yeah. Yeah. He's always on there. He's hitting the shit out of the ball constantly. He's always on there. He, I mean, he's just. His approach, I mean, he's just getting more comfortable at the plate and look what he's doing with it. He's hitting for average. He's getting on base with his patience and he's driving in runs and he's like, now he's going to start hitting for power. It, uh, it was just a matter of time before that started to happen. People were, were saying like, oh, he's only going to go for like 14 to 16 home runs. I still believe he can get to 20, 25. I, I still yeah. believe that. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. And I know Steven Stone, uh, the White Sox venerable play-by-play um, or, or excuse me, uh, color analyst certainly agrees with that assessment as well. And I think as the weather warms up here, obviously we all know the ballpark at 35th and Shields turns into a bit of a launching pad at this time of the year. And just with the enhanced approach that we've really seen from him getting counts deep and getting himself into hitters counts, I really think we're going to start to see him drive the ball with more authority here. Uh, once, you know, obviously the, the weather here, heating up and I really think that the best from Yohan Mankata is yet to come here during the 2021 season. Oh, absolutely. I think he's just going to keep getting better. I think that he's going to be an all-star and I really think his, uh, his name's going to be in that MVP hat. So then we're going to go into the second inning here, Steve and uh, Jake lamb. Jake uh, excuse lamb. me. I, I, uh, I believe it's pronounced rake lamb. I, my apologies, rake lamb, rake and Jake lamb. It sounds like a, a bad, WWF superstar in the early nineties who brings a rake out to the <laughs> ring with him. <laughs> cool. uh, he, he, he could take with Duke, the dumpster Josie. Yeah, no shit. No shit. Um, God. So he hits, he hits a ball and he fucking tattoos a one to right field 412 feet. I got the Mankata one, Steve. It was 358 feet for Mankata 412 feet for Jake lamb. So I want to throw out credit to, I'm going to butcher the last name, but Jim Margulis. I'm pretty sure I got that right. Uh, Jim Margulis is from Sox Machine, and he wrote a really good piece on Jake Lamb's approach and how he has changed his approach. Now, he was doing a higher leg kick. Now it's more so of a toe tap. He's, he's showing some patience, but he's now connecting more than he was in April. His stats in April were fucking trash, okay? And then in, in May, he started picking it up a little bit, but he also had – his struggles in the beginning of May, but when he started doing this toe tap shit, it kind of changed it all around. So shout out to Jim Margulis for seeing this, writing a good article. You can find that article on socksmachine.com. It was a very good article to read. Uh, but Jake Lamb comes out, man, and he is making a case for himself. And I know, and I'm not going to give all the details away, our dirty little secrets from our group chat that we have. I'm not going to do all that, but Jake Lamb is making a case here, Steve. He's making a case. He keeps putting the bat on the ball like this. You're absolutely right. And 
look, when you're a team that is in a spot where you lose three of your four best outfielders to start the season, or, or, or not necessarily to start the season, but within the first six weeks of the season, and two of those guys are going to miss four months apiece, Adam Engel hasn't played a game yet, you need guys to contribute that you weren't necessarily counting on. And I know that the bench coming into the season was much maligned and the depth of the White Sox was called into question. The fact of the matter is you need guys to step up and be positive contributors. We're seeing positive contribution from Rake Lamb to this point here. <laughs> and, and, and you mentioned some of the mechanical adjustments here, and, and maybe that's something that he and Frank Manichino, uh took a look at some, some video and looked at some data here and realized, hey, we maybe need to tweak something a little bit here. And people forget Jake Lamb was a good player for he, parts of He was of an his, all-star of, in 2017, right, Steve. Right, exactly. So, exactly. so this isn't a guy that's some kind of absolute bomb off the scrap heap here. This is a guy that has had success at the major league level. And sometimes you just need to change the scenery. You need a different voice in your ear and you need to make, you know, a minor little tweak here and there. I mean, baseball is littered with guys like this. Um, and, and who knows, you know, th- this might not continue for much longer, but even if you get a month's worth of solid production from him, you're, you're getting solid offensive contribution from Billy Hamilton, you got six solid weeks of offensive contribution from your mean Mercedes. Even if these things don't continue, that's the type of thing that you need to see happen here when you have all-star type contributors like Luis Robert, like Aloy Jimenez go down for sustained periods of time. You need guys to step in and, and really rise to the occasion that you weren't necessarily counting on. And they're getting that to this point. And that's why they have been able to weather the storm of those pivotal injuries to this juncture. No. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right on that. I guess my, my whole thing with lamb is because we had gone back and forth on a pod where I think, I can't remember. I think we did agree. We usually kind of have the same mindset on some things besides you seal Puiga, of course, but, um, which I've kind of changed my opinion on that now, since he tried to fight everybody in Mexico in the league, I don't know if you saw that, but it was, he did. And if you didn't, I'll send it to you. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to need to see that. <laughs> yeah. I'll get it to you. I'll get it to you after the show. Um, but you know, with Jake lamb was kind of like, is he cooked? You know what I mean? Has he been figured out? You know, he did battle a couple injuries too. So was that something that had taken away his once promising start to being in the MLB, being an all-star, being a, uh, a you know, a player that could contribute to being a guy who's just going to be the end of your bench type guy, which is still a possibility. That's what he is. But like you said, it's super important to be getting these contributions from him right now when you don't have Eli, when you don't have Andrew Vaughn because of COVID protocols and you don't have Luis Robert. It's awesome to get that kind of contribution out of somebody like him. And he has really heated up lately. I mean, in May, he had a good month. He raised his batting average to like 271 or some shit like that. I mean, I know a lot of people don't go to the batting average, but hey, when you're in the fucking below 200, sometimes that's nice to see because it means you are at least putting the bat on the ball. And he's been. Yes, Bonnie you know, Grandal would like a word with you. Hey, I got no problems with Yasmani Grandal. We'll, we'll talk bad. about him. We'll talk about him later. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, we'll move on from uh, Rake Lamb. Rake Lamb. Then we'll get into the uh, top of the fifth, Steve. That is the next time we really see anything um, scoring-wise. And that's going to be from uh, Castro, and he's going to hit a homer to right field off of Lance Lynn. Um, That was the only run that 
Detroit was able to score. Uh, once again, Lance Lynn comes out and is fucking dominant. I mean, got himself into a little bit of tiny trouble there, Steve, and he turned it around, you know, um, in that second inning, you know, even in the first inning, you know, he, I think he let up a hit and it was like, the, what was it? The first, like the third time all year he's let up a hit in the first inning. So this was the only time he got tattooed. No problems. Sox were able to rebound off of it. The next scoring after that comes off of who we were just talking about, Yasmani Grandal. Absolute moonshot to right field, 457 feet in the bottom of the seventh, bottom of the eighth, T.A. Breaks out of his slump, first home run since May 13th. Um, that went right to center field at 414 feet. So that'll that'll recap your scoring off there, man. Yeah, a couple things there, Buzz. First, um, do you think that our boy – Johnny Nani has recovered from watching that sexy as hell Yasmani Grandal bat drop in person because I'm not sure that uh, that he has. I think he's going to ride all the way back down to the south suburbs here just with the biggest shit-eating grin on his face after getting to witness that in person because that thing was a bomb, and that bat drop was just sex, baby. I mean, He's going like, to have a hard time if he Ubered because he's pitching a tent real bad right now. Oh, oh baby, is he ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you know, as far as Lance Lynn goes, look, he obviously you mentioned in there that he did have that rocky second inning where his command just got a little bit away from him. Um, you know, issued a couple of or you know issued a couple of walks in there and was able to pitch himself out of a bases loaded jam. Really, that was the only issue that he ran into this evening, aside from that home run to Harold Castro there in the in the fifth inning. Overall, Lance Lynn, aside from that, was just doing what he does, just taking the ball going right at guys saying, here it comes, motherfucker. You ain't going to hit it. I don't care. And you know what? The Detroit Tigers, that's a bum-ass team. That's the type of mentality that I want to see out of a starting pitch right there. Go right at those sons of bitches and say, you can't do a damn thing with this. I don't care who you are. You know what? I'm going to beat you. That's it. And this is, uh, again, I'm a big fan of pitchers with that kind of mindset. And that's why I love watching Lance Lynn pitch and, you know, Lance Lynn being a guy come, you know, this team coming off of consecutive losses in Cleveland. I love having Lance Lynn in that spot because he says, get on my back boys. I'm going to be the stopper today. We're getting on a winning streak. Let's go. I mean, he's just a guy that embodies South side mentality and, you know, like just, or at least white Sox fan mentality. You know, you could be from wherever you want to be from and still be a Sox fan, no doubt. But he just embodies that because it's like the other day when, you know, his last start, when he got that strikeout, he's walking off the mound. He goes, man, motherfuck that slap dick or some shit. He's screaming, you know, I mean, it's fantastic shit. Cause I would probably be doing the same shit, like just talking the same way. Um, you know, like I just, I love watching him play. Um, I do want to throw a little bit more, Praise to Yasmani here, though, today, because in the in the top of the first, even I'd be remiss if we didn't bring this up when um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry. I got to take a sip of my gummy bear beer here. This is actually fantastic. It is literally gummy bear beer. I don't know what the hell it's called, but it was in my fridge and I don't know if it's old or not, but it's very good, Steve. So um, I want to say it was the top of the the top of the first. Um, I could be wrong. No, I'm not. Candelario struck out swinging and then uh, Yasmani gunned down Grossman at second. And mm-hmm. it, it it seemed like it jammed Tim's wrist for a minute, but he was all right. Obviously he's all right. You know, maybe just kind of surprised him a little bit or something like that. But I wanted to give credit there because Grossman's quick. I know he got a bad jump on that, but 
Grandal gunned his ass down. So that was a big key part for me. I know that really wouldn't have changed much if he got there, but still in all, like you, good you play. Never- you, you never know that because, it, you know, you get in a situation there where you get that leadoff runner on base right there. And then if, if he's able to steal second base successfully and then you got a runner at second base there and no outs or one out. I mean, that could theoretically change the complexion of, of an inning. And you lose you're you're coming off of two consecutive losses in Cleveland. And then if all of a sudden you fall down one to nothing in the top of the first inning against a dog ass team like that, sometimes that shit can snowball a little bit. So it was good yeah, to see. Yeah. Like, like you mentioned there, just kind of nip that in the bud right there, you know, gun gun down Robbie Grossman and then kind of square things off and then allow Lance Lynn to get out of that inning scoreless right there. So that that's definitely a pivotal play right there and, you know, something that probably isn't going to be talked about a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think the highlights and, and the things that are going to be talked about more so on, on the highlight shows are going to be the four solo home runs, but that's absolutely a pivotal moment in the game right there. Yeah, I mean, I just thought it was a, I thought it was a big, you know, point just to get out of the inning there, double play to end it off and and whatnot. And Grandal looked crisp on the throw. Tim was right there. I mean, it just, it, it's a good play to. I like that kind of shit. It was a crisp baseball play, and it it, it worked out to get us out of the inning right away and, and move on to what we had to move on to. Um, just to go through Lynn's stat line real quick, I, I didn't read it off yet, but he he went six innings, four hits. <clears throat> one run, it was earned. He walked two, struck out six, and it was that long ball to Castro that was let up. Um, he could have gone seven. Now, this is according to Tony LaRussa after the game because people did see Lynn walking down the tunnel after the game. They didn't know if he was hurt or not. He is fine. He had a couple things that LaRussa said were barking. He could have gone out there for the seventh inning. No issue, no bueno. It's it's all good. We're, we're fine. Um, Aaron Bummer comes on in relief of Lance Lynn. He lets up one hit, but he has two awesome strikeouts. Uh, absolutely fantastic shit from Bummer. Evan Marshall comes in. When Evan Marshall and Aaron Bummer have it going on at the same time, you better watch the. I'm serious. You better watch the fuck it, out. It, exactly. And I look. I want to. I want to kind of expand on that. Oh yeah, go for it. There. Go for it. I'm um, glad you're in agreement. The, that that is absolutely how this team drew things up during spring training. It was get 18 solid outs from your starting pitcher and then turn it over to. Evan Marshall, Aaron Bummer, and, and the rest of this bullpen to kind of bridge that gap over to Liam Hendricks. This was executed perfectly today here. You know, Bummer comes Bummer comes in in the seventh inning, and Stone and Benetti kind of talked about this on the broadcast as far as with Bummer and Marshall being flipped from their from their typical roles there and talked about the fact of you know, having um, Bummer go in there to kind of turn around some of the Detroit hitters right there, which was something I hadn't necessarily thought about. And I was a little bit surprised to see Bummer in that seventh inning spot there myself. Uh, but then after, you know, thinking about that and hearing the rationale behind it, I'm like, okay, that that makes sense. And it's good to see, you know, Tony making the, the right decision there from, from that perspective, utilizing the data, utilizing the information that is being presented to him and adjusting his approach and and his strategy accordingly and then Aaron Bummer went out there and really did a nice job of executing he did give up the one hit but I mean that was a little you know number off the end of the bat that there simply was nothing you could do on that play so overall it was a pretty crisp inning from him and Evan Marshall had a really nice breaking ball tonight that's the thing that has really kind of played him here to um you know here in the early phases of this season is he just has not had that sharp command of the breaking ball and and more so he hasn't had the tilt on that pitch for a good portion 
portion of the season to be able to put hitters away when he's gotten ahead of them. He had that tonight, and you know he made Miguel Cabrera, a future Hall of Famer, look like he had never stepped in a major league batter's box before. Now, obviously, Miguel Cabrera is not the same guy he was, you know, ten years ago, you know, nine nine years ago when he was winning the Triple Crown. But this is a guy that is still, like I said. Going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's going to have a plaque oh, in Cooper's time. One hundred percent. Yeah. And and so to see Marshall be able to go out there, have a solid outing right there, put together um, a nice crisp one two three inning, throw that breaking ball with effectiveness. That's something that we need to see from him more consistently here. And if that happens, it's really going to go a long way as far as stabilizing this bullpen in the long run. No, you're absolutely right. And, and something I want to bring up along with that, Steve, is that we're, what, 56 games through the White Sox season right now? We're 34 and 22 as tonight ended. We're 12 games above 500. And you and I could both sit here and say that we haven't even had the best out of our bullpen yet as well. Exactly. That's the, that's, I think the funny thing about this is I thought the bullpen was going to be probably the strongest area from the get-go right yeah yeah Yeah. and everybody knows i was champion in this bullpen and to this point they've really probably been the weakest link overall here through the through the 56 games so if you get that thing going the rest of the american league might need to watch out a little bit oh absolutely i mean if you see the if you see them start coming on in the bullpen and and they have kind of been you know, we've been talking more and more on these recap shows about how the bullpen has looked good compared. If you go back in the early episodes of Socks on Tap for 2021 season, we're like, oh, shit. Like, you know, we still got the faith, but it don't look right. Something's wrong. And as we've gone on over, I would say, like, last two weeks, you know, ever since the Yankees series got our ass whipped, they've looked a lot different. Even in the Yankees series, they weren't that bad. It's not like the Yankees fucking crushed us by any means. That's where we had the one game we got our ass whipped, but – other than that, they've been very good. So if they start coming on now and in our Sunday fun day, that'll be coming up soon. I'm not sure if it's going to be this Sunday or the next when we all get together, but we start talking about trade deadline opportunities here. And if the Sox make some moves to bolster up the, the lineup a little bit, um, you know, the batting order a little bit, watch the fuck out, man. This team is dangerous now without even adding anything. Once you get Eloy and Luis Robert back, it's going to be, it's going to be fucking even more deadly than it is now. We're 12 games above 500. I mean, it's absolutely amazing, you know. So um, just wanted to kind of throw that little tidbit. Last thing for this game, Steve, unless you have anything else to touch on, is uh, Mankata strikeout in, uh, in the bottom of the eighth inning. Um, Adam Eaton was mad because he struck out, but he strikes out all the fucking time. So you just uh, you missed me with that shit right now. Um, I really wanted to see Gavin Sheets because I was excited about uh, about him coming up. And we'll probably see him tomorrow and, and most and probably Saturday, too, from what I'm hearing. But Makata strikes out, super low pitch, kind of bullshit. Lucas Giolito gets kicked out. What? You kicked out Lucas Giolito? Okay, okay. So as, as we're talking right now, I have the post game on 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 my TV here, and they kind of showed that whole sequence and what happened with it. They they did a close up of Giolito in the dugout. He's literally looking at at the umpire, and he literally looks at him and goes, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> 
I, I mean, so you know, he obviously wasn't uh, wasn't real thrilled with the balls and strikes uh, that that happened there in particular. And, and look, that was a dog shit call against Yohan Makata. It was not even close. But you know, I always find it funny when you see a pitcher or a position player that has the day off get tossed um, for arguing balls and strikes. That that's always kind of funny to me. The the only ejection I think that is funnier. I remember back about five or six years ago, back when Mark Parent was the bench coach for this team, and I remember he got tossed handing out the lineup card at home plate before the first pitch of the game. Why? I don't remember what the hell the the backstory on it was, but I think if I recall, there was something that happened the night before. Oh, and carryover, was, huh? And, yeah, it was a it was a carryover effect, and he got out there and just he took the lineup card out to home plate, and he was given the home plate umpire an earful and got rung while handing out the lineup card. It's pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's that's just great. But I mean, like I said, the the only that's the only circumstance I can think of that is more entertaining than a starting pitcher who's not involved in the game getting rung. Well, you know what, you know what cracks me up too about this whole thing is like you, then you you know you get you get your hot takes and you know where you, you can find them. You get your hot takes and shit online. Tw- Twins fan Ken? No, no, our own. Some of our own are White Sox fans yelling because Tony Larusa didn't have fucking Lucas Giolito's back when he got kicked out. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, you see what time it is, motherfucker? It's 940. He's 76 years old. He wants to go to sleep. What do you mean? You want him to start yelling? I'm I'm 29. I can't yell right now. I'm I'm, I'm 37 and I wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> no shit. Like, what are you talking about? Like, leave this man alone. He gets up in the morning, okay, probably four fucking five, reads the newspaper, you know, maybe does whatever, you know, his little fucking walk around his little fucking home that he lives in, whatever, and then that's it. He's tired. Why does he need to be yelling? Lucas got kicked out. It's four to one. People are buzzing because we hit four fucking home runs. We're about to win the goddamn game. You got Liam Hendricks who's in there who's been nails, uh, you know, the reliever of the month for May for the American League, absolute fucking nails. If I'm Tony LaRusso, I'm not yelling either. I don't give a fuck. Okay, he just got kicked out, whatever. People were legitimately mad that LaRusso didn't do anything? Yeah, they didn't have Giolito's back. Yeah, there's quite a few of them. Okay, all right. Uh, Can I have the floor here for a minute to go on a little bit of a rant? My friend, take the floor. Okay. Folks, I got some things to say about Tony LaRusso. And a lot of the conversation that has circled around him here throughout the course of this 2021 season. Let me be crystal clear here. And I've been very consistent on this. I think Tony La Russa is a penis as a human. being. <laughs> I believed that before he was hired, I believe that going back to his time with the St. Louis Cardinals, he is an absolute penis with that being said, has he made some tactical errors and has he made some decisions this season that I have not agreed with personally? and he's going to make other decisions this year. I'm sure he's going to have another game where he bunts two or three times in a game, and I'm going to be enraged by it, and I'm going to call it out. I'm going to continue to do that. But the need to constantly just lambast the guy for every little minor thing that happens that offends your sensibilities in some regards it just is so tired and played out at this point here. Let's be real about this here, okay? 
a sizable portion of this fan base does not like him. I understand why they do not like him. As I mentioned, I personally do not like him. But if you're going to call him out, call him out for something worthwhile. Getting your panties in a bunch because he didn't have Lucas Giolito's back for Giolito asking the umpire what the fuck he's doing on a terrible third strike call in the bottom of the eighth inning of a four to one win is not worthwhile. Okay, have some goddamn perspective on this shit and save the outrage for something that actually matters. Yeah, it's just funny to see all that, you know, like people are just so people got all upset and he does have a little quote here. Um, Tony La Russa on the ejected Lucas Giolito. He was having some fun, but you can't have it at the expense of the umpires. He's a special individual and I understand he was trying to have a little fun, but umpires, they're very careful about listening to complaints. So that's that's what La Russa said. I'm fine with it. Whatever. Okay, you know, let's move on to tomorrow and let's get a fucking win. That's a very vanilla statement right there. I, I mean, it, I mean, it's it, basically it's, like the statement of the parent that doesn't give a fuck that you got in trouble at right. school. And it, it's just like, okay, here's a blanket cover. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that they're, they're sensitive about it. You know, he's a special guy. It is what it is. And uh, yeah, we're back tomorrow. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it's, it's literally like when you, when you get a detention or you get an in-school suspension, not that I had any of those growing up or anything like that, that I, that I would know. And, and your parent comes to pick you up and, right. You you ask the, and they ask you what you did and then you tell them and and they literally go, you got in trouble for that. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. So so then they come then they come to pick you up and they put on a show and and they make it look like you know they're upset or disappointed. You're so grounded, <laughs> right? They'll put on that show in front of the teacher or in front of the administrator when literally the minute you get in the car and this happened in a couple of times with my dad, he goes. You fucking got in trouble for that. Are you shitting me? Right. Oh, my God. So a part of me kind of like, because I don't like, you know, like I told you in the past, I I do not hate Tony LaRussa or whatever. I don't know him as a person. Doesn't seem like that great of a dude. Um, but he's my manager and I want to win. And I'm not going to criticize every little move that he fucking makes. I will criticize when he makes stupid comments like you and I did on that show that we had. I will. I will criticize that. But in this case, this is such like a non-issue where I what I really wish he would do right now to rile people up is be like, yeah, we're uh, we're skipping his start on Saturday because he got ejected from the game. Then you'd see a lot of people get really fucking pissed off. Like I just wish he'd kind of like troll lol, 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 you know, troll the motherfuckers. But is what it is, you know. Um, that that's just a little fun, a little fun tidbit there. Um, like we said, Liam Hendricks came in there in the top of the ninth, fucking nails again, two strikeouts. Um. Looked really good. Uh, of course. I mean, he's just been looking good, you know, no matter that what. That's an absolute psychopath out there in the mountain. I just love, love it, dude. It. Him and Lance Lynn in the same day have to give opposing oh. batters the shits. How, I, how can you honestly not love Lance Lynn and just it'd go not back and, love... it'd, it'd go back inside me if I had to fucking face both of them. I'm kidding. I'd, I'd fucking turn back into a prepubescent, like, little kid. There's no fucking way. As a grown man, I'd want to be up there standing with a bat in my hand, knowing that I just had to go through two, three fucking rounds of Lance Lynn and then have to see Liam Hendricks in a close game. I'd be like, this is fucked. I'm going to fake an injury. I'm going to go lie down over there. You it know? doesn't It doesn't sound that enjoyable, if I'm being honest with you. No, fuck, no. I mean, 
And then, yeah. and then you're, and then you're gonna you're gonna strike out on a fastball, and then they're just gonna scream at the top of their lungs at you, and just make you feel even more embarrassed. They're gonna fucking scream at the top of the lungs. One of them's gonna call you a slap dick, and you're gonna feel really shitty about yourself on your way back to the fucking dugout. <laughs> In his defense, though, if if he did strike me out, that would be appropriate. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. So <laughs> that's all I got for this one. Um, so we'll move into tomorrow's game, Steve. It's another seven ten start here. Um, you will be in attendance for this one. Um, it'll be Spencer Turnbull, who is at uh, four and two, two point nine three ERA, forty six innings pitched, thirty five hits let up. He struck out forty, only walked twelve, and he's only let up one long ball. He's going up against Big Diamond Dallas Keuchel at four and one with a four point five three ERA. 59 and two-third innings pitch there, 61 hits let up, 30 strikeouts, 18 walks to eight long balls. Um, if there is a team to lower that ERA for Dallas Keuchel, it is the Dallas uh, – I was about to say the Dallas Tigers, the Detroit Tigers. Um, you know, Keuchel's been hit or miss a lot. He had finally gotten that ERA under four. And then his last start, I don't think it went, you know – as planned so hopefully he can come out tomorrow um you know he should have uh you know the infield should be in i mean they had tuesday what's say steve thursday they had wednesday off due to the rain so everybody should be pretty fresh so he should have his full infield in there you know because he's a ground ball pitcher for the most part i mean and and hopefully he can uh, lower that era and help get the white Sox win here just go out there Pound the strike zone, attack those little slap dicks, Detroit Tigers that they, <laughs> that they have there, because that's what they are. They're nothing but a bunch of little slap dicks. All right. So don't dick around. Pound the strike zone, go at him, and then Spencer Turnbull, you're a lefty. I don't care that you threw a no-hitter against the Seattle Mariners. Just about everybody throws a no-hitter against the Seattle Mariners at some point during the course of the season. So you know what? I don't care. You're a lefty. You're fresh meat. You're next. Let's go. I fucking take it. I'll, I'll fucking take it for sure. I just, uh, I want the socks to, to come out and just keep that same energy they had tonight. Um, you know, put the bat on the ball. Let's win these games that we should win. I'd really like to see this team at the end of this, Steve, I'd really like to see this team 15 games above 500. Step on their throats. You win a division by beating up on the little sisters of the poor. And that's what the Detroit tigers are. All right. For you know what? For far too long, we were the whipping boys for the for this team from from that hellhole city. The tables have turned. Go out there, punish them, embarrass them, right from Jump Street tomorrow. Just like just like tonight, go out there, get a lead early. You know they can't play with you. You're on your home field. Go out there, take care of business. Slap dick and pudwhackers, man. Make him go stand in the corner. I'm totally with you on that. I'm totally got a little violent. I like it. Oh, I want to fucking get this win, man. I want I want to be 15 games above 500. I'll be in attendance Saturday. I'm just I'm all hyped up and shit like that. So let's make it happen. Uh picks to click tomorrow, Steve. Who you got? All right. So let's see. We got a lefty on the mount. You know what? I'm Turtle's gonna... actually a righty, Steve. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're you're right. You're right. I'm I'm, th- I'm thinking ahead to Tarek Skubal uh, later, later on in the series here. <laughs> no, you're good. You're um, good. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit off script here. I'm gonna speaking a little slap dicks. I'm gonna take Nikki slaps tomorrow. <laughs> 
He called him slap dicks for the last fucking 35 minutes we've been doing the show. He get Nick Madrigal called him slap dick, but he's my pick to click. <laughs> he's my slap dick. All right, I got you on that. I'm going Tim Anderson tomorrow. I haven't chosen him in a while. Hit that dinger. Hyped him up a little bit today. I'm taking TA tomorrow. He's my pick to click. Uh, you got anything else, man, before we ride out here into the sunset? All I have left to say, two glorious words. Detroit sucks. I'll add three. Detroit fucking sucks. There we go. Everybody be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at SocksOnTap at ontapsportsnet. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us, five-star rating and review because that's cool and tough. Check out Grandstand, GrandstandSocks.com. Follow them on socials at GrandstandSocks. Anywhere you need White Sox gear, you can go find it there at Grandstand. We'll be back tomorrow in some sort of the foursome that is here, whether it's me or Tony or Nani or Tony or whoever. Steve will be in attendance. Be sure to check it out tomorrow after the game. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.